How are you out there? Good. We are in Galatians chapter 5. We've been studying the fruit of the Spirit. We looked at each one of the fruit of the Spirit in detail, and hopefully the, the knowledge of those things is helping you partner with the Holy Spirit as He works them into your life. Amen? In verse 18 of chapter 5, we saw a list of the deeds of the flesh, and we're working our way through them and seeing the patterns and the themes in there. All of us struggle with sin, amen? None of us are above sin today. You say, well, we wanted a pastor who didn't sin. Well, if you can find one, I'll resign. But uh, all of us struggle with sin, and so these deeds of the flesh are natural to us. We're going to hear them in just a minute here, and uh, we covered some so far. We covered uh, sexual sin. We talked about witchcraft and idolatry last week, and we're going to move through the list today. Let's thank God for the word for Galatians 5, and then I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to jump right into verse 18. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, that you've given us this treasure in the Scripture, 66 books that all reveal truth to us, cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. You reveal Jesus Christ and your plan for uh, our lives in the kingdom of God. Lord, we pray that by the Holy Spirit we would understand the truths tucked here in your word, Lord, and that they would liberate us and that they would allow us to not produce the, the works of the flesh or the deeds of the flesh, but actually to have the fruit of the Spirit in our life. God, understanding these things that come so naturally to us, uh, help us to overcome them as we partner with your Spirit. So, Father, do that in us today, we pray in Jesus' name. And the church said... Galatians 5, starting in verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we looked at sexual immorality, and we covered that in great detail, and we realized God wants purity for us. He's given us the marriage as an outlet for our expression, and uh, it's a good thing for us to be married and to have a spouse. How many would say they are thankful for their spouse today? Amen. Amen. Let, let's just clap our hands. All right. I was... I think I see Kim clapping on the front row. So. <laughs> now, we talked about idolatry and witchcraft last year. And, uh, last year. Wow, it's been a long week. <laughs> but last Sunday, we talked about Lewis, and we said that idolatry is something that we think is primitive. We've made it, you know, a caricature. It's just, uh, you know, primitive people bowing down to idols and statues. But really, an idol can be anything that becomes more important to us than God. And so all of us have to check our hearts for idols, and then we talked about witchcraft, and there are certain practices, the dark arts, magic, and all these things we looked at, and they're not for the Christian today. We're tapped into the real power supply, the Holy Spirit, amen. We don't need the counterfeit. So don't check your horoscope, and don't go for a psychic reading. Open your Bible and let the Lord speak to your heart, amen. 
going to look at hostilities, strife, jealousy, and outbursts of anger. And really what I've grouped these into categories here, this one is out of control emotions. As we dig into these four topics, we're going to see that these are really about emotions out of control. Next week, God willing, we're going to look at pride out of control, and that's expressed in selfish ambition, dissension, and factions. And then we're going to look at appetites out of control, envy, drunkenness, and carousing. So there's a little preview of the weeks to come, uh, Lord willing, if we continue in this. But let's look at hostility, strife, and outbursts of anger today. Uh, it's a theme that we see here, and it's centered on the fact that we have emotions, and sometimes they get out of control. Let me say something to all of us, and maybe some of us, who have control issues. All my control freaks out there, don't raise your hand. But here's the deal on control. We should never try to control another person. Okay, let me try that in a different language over here. <laughs> I only know English. We should never try to control another person. People who have control issues, they are trying to control others. And look, if you've ever been in a situation where you try to do that, first thing you're going to realize, it's exhausting. And second of all, it's impossible. Husbands and wives, you should not try to control each other. That was like the same response I got from first for service. But I'm not, my job is not to control my wife, and her job is not to control me. To marry somebody and say, well, they're a mess, but I'm going to make a better version. I'm going to change them. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this and that. And no, that's not the point of a relationship. We should never try to control others. We talked about the fact that within the definition of witchcraft, pharmakia was control and manipulation. When we try to control another individual, we're actually operating in a, in a manipulative spirit that the word of God likens to witchcraft. Wow. So we shouldn't try to control others, but we should do our best to try and control ourselves. Even less amens. Because why? It's more fun to try and control other people that to control ourselves. It's our nature. What did Jesus say? You know, don't take, you know, the, the speck out of your brother's eye when there's a log in yours. And usually the people that are the most controlling have the most problems, and they're trying to worry about my little speck. Say my little speck. All those log people out there. So we shouldn't try to control others. We should do our best to control ourselves. But here's the best case scenario when we allow the Holy Spirit to have control over us. Amen. That's what we're looking for, but we're talking about emotions that are out of control. These next four deeds of the flesh are all rooted in that. The New American Standard Bible calls them hostilities, strife, jealousy, and outbursts of anger. The King James uses some different words and actually uses five in this category. They are hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, and strife. We're going to look at the definition of both of those words and look at the Greek to get a good understanding of what the scripture is talking about here. The first category of emotions out of control are hostility and hatred. When you and I hate, it means that we have lost control of our emotions. Now, we're going to dig into this a little bit because I think we get confused and we feel justified in hating certain things because they're ungodly or they're evil and we think we can give ourselves over to hate. But the truth is, when we express hatred, it is not a fruit of the Spirit. When we express hatred, it's totally a work of the flesh. Hatred, hostility, it is the number one byproduct of emotions that 
are out of control. Show me somebody that's hateful, that's angry, that's hostile, and I'll show you a person who has lost control of their emotions. That's why we've got to be careful being so hard on someone who's hostile or hateful or angry. Why? Because they're really broken up inside, amen? And the last thing they need is for us to return that same negativity back to them and drive them deeper into the abyss that they are stuck in. Being a Christian and hating people does not work together. Being a Christian and hating people should be mutually exclusive. You can't have both. If we hate people, that's thoroughly ungodly. But what about ungodly people? We're going to get to that. Christianity is about love. We serve a God who is love, amen? He is a loving God. Yes, he's a just God, but even when he corrects people and pours out his wrath, he does it in love. He doesn't do it to destroy a person. He does it to bring a person to repentance so that they can receive forgiveness and be free. Our God is a God of love. Hostility and hatred is a sign of out-of-control emotions. And you know what? You might think, all right, Pastor, that sounds logical. I, I can agree with that. You know, we shouldn't hate people as Christians. You know, it's a stretch with some people, but, you know, it sounds doable. And we might think that for a second until we realize that we are not justified in hating anyone. You think of the worst person that ever lived. You say, well, are we allowed to hate Hitler and the Nazis? No, he was a person that could have been saved while he still drew breath. And so how could we hate a person that God is still trying to save? Oh, it's getting quieter and quieter. I'm losing them. I'm just losing them. And it's like, well, wait a minute, Pastor. We've got to be able to hate wicked people. We've got to be able to hate evil people, you know, communism and Stalin and Lenin and all those who perpetuate tyranny and oppression and kill multiplied millions. Surely we can hate, hate groups like the KKK and the Black Panthers and those people from Westboro Baptist Church that hold up signs, God hates this and God hates that. Have you seen that nonsense? Surely we can hate them. That's righteous indignation, isn't it? And the truth is, we can't hate people, even people who kill and steal and destroy and prey on the weak. Even terrorist groups like we saw in the news on October 7th where Hamas slaughtered thousands of Israeli women, children, and elderly. Surely we can hate them, right? Yet God is still trying to save even the wicked. And so some of us would have hated the Apostle Paul before we knew what God was planning to do with him. Well, Paul was killing Christians. Paul was dragging people out of their homes and imprisons him. I hate that guy. He's an enemy of the church. He's an enemy of God. And God says, I chose him. I got him. He's mine. He's going to be the greatest apostle that ever lived. He's going to write two-thirds of the New Testament. He's going to give us the bulk of our theology as New Testament Christians. We're not justified in hating anyone. Now, hating evil people, even our enemies, or even the enemies of God may seem righteous, but it is not a fruit of the Spirit. Why is it so hard for us not to hate evildoers? I'll answer that question. <clears throat> because our flesh picks up on their negativity and their hate, and we want to reflexively hate them back. Do you see when you have one person in the flesh and another person in the flesh, all it does is produce the works of the flesh? You're wicked, you're ungodly, you're, you're murderous, you're evil. I hate you. What did I just do? I came out of the spirit and into the flesh. And I got right down in the mud and the muck and the mire and the sin. 
and hated you back for your hate. Harboring hate in our hearts can bring us to some really dark places. Some of us have been through some serious things, abuse and uh, situations that would have destroyed many. You're still here today by the grace of God, but you have unforgiveness and you have anger and you have even hatred in your heart towards people who took advantage, people who abused, and, and it's like an anchor around your neck. I want to tell you something. The human emotion of hate is a legitimate emotion, but we can't harbor it and allow it to fester because it will metastasize and take us to some really dark places that we thought we could never, ever go. One of the darkest expressions of hate that I've ever heard was found in a will that was written by a man named Mr. Donahue in 1935. Someone grabbed a hold of this will, and he, this is the worst case of hatred I've ever seen a father express toward his children. His will read as follows. He says, Unto my two daughters, Frances Marie and Denise Victoria, by reason of their horrible attitude towards their doting father, I leave the sum of $1 each and a father's curse. Listen to this. May your lives be fraught with misery, unhappiness, and poignant sorrow. May your deaths be soon and of a lingering, malignant, and torturous nature. May your souls rest in hell and suffer the torments of the damned for eternity. Love, Dad. <laughs> Think about what it takes to get to such a dark place for a father to curse his children. You might think, well, what did they do to him? You know what? It really doesn't matter. That man allowed offense and anger and hatred to ferment in his heart to the point where it brought him to such a dark place that reading what he spoke over his children on his deathbed will make us gasp. We can't harbor hate. We can't allow it to remain in our hearts. We're allowed to feel it. It's a legitimate emotion but we can't let that emotion get out of control without it damaging us profoundly. One of those most common expressions of hostility and hatred seen in our world today is the sin of racism, where people of different ethnicities and religions and skin colors prejudge and categorically hate one another. Listen to me, that is not of God. That is totally of the flesh, and it has no place in the heart of a Christian or in the church of Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you hate your brother whom you've seen, how can you love God whom you've not seen? Oh, I love God, but I'm hateful. I, I resent and I, I, I want to separate and segregate and, and, and divide the body of Christ. It's all flesh. Sadly, they say that Sunday morning is the most segregated uh, time in the West here where we segregate ourselves over ethnicities to go worship. I got news for you today. There's no white church, black church, Chinese church. There's only one church, amen? It's the church of Jesus Christ. When you die and you go to heaven, they're not going to send you to the Irish neighborhood, the Italian neighborhood. We're all going to be together, amen? Like full gospel this morning, amen? Look around this morning. This is what the church looks like, amen? This is what the church is supposed to look like, but the sin of racism is... Uh, it's hostile, it's, hate, it's hateful. What's the antidote for our flesh's tendency to be hostile towards those who are different than us? 
The only antidote is to know God because God is love. And when we know God and we know the love of God, it drives hate out of our hearts. And we look at everyone not as a nationality, not as a skin color, not as a, a, a group or a sect. Or We can look at everybody as someone made in the image of God and a brother and sister in the Lord. Amen. God help us to drive all hate and hostility out of our heart. It's not of God, it's of the flesh. And the antidote is us knowing God. The closer we get to the Lord, the more we're gonna love people, all people. The second byproduct of emotions out of control, we looked at hate. Now the second one listed is strife. Say strife. strife. Say it like you mean it. Strife. Yeah, it sounds ugly when you put some gusto in it. Strife. It's not, it's not a good thing, yet strife is also the byproduct of emotions that are out of control. Now, uh, let's define what strife is. A person driven by a spirit of strife, and I want you to see this. Strife is not just a, a, something you feel or an emotion you have or a thought that comes in. No, when you allow strife to grip you, it will drive you and you operate in it and it's spiritual. The person who is driven by a spirit of strife is a person who is always creating conflict, always stirring up trouble, and always manufacturing drama. And now, just like in first service, the light bulb went on. As all of us begin to think of people like that, oh, I know that guy, that neighbor, that person at the office, that person at the Thanksgiving tables. You know, Captain Strife, Mr. and Mrs. Strife. And what do they do? It's, it's the mark of someone who is driven by strife. They create conflict wherever they go. They stir up trouble and they manufacture drama. If there is no trouble, they, they, they somehow make trouble and they create chaos. And that is a person that is given over to strife. And listen, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand strife is not pleasing to God. Strife is not a fruit of the spirit. Strife is a work of the flesh. It's the byproduct of emotions that are on, out of control. Why are there people that just make trouble everywhere they go? Because inside they're destroyed and their emotions are destroyed and they're hurting and hurt people hurt people. People who deal in strife have some marks to their character, some methods to their operation. The first one is this. A person who deals in strife will stretch, manipulate, or just plain old ignore the truth to stir up an issue and create a conflict. James 3.14, but if you have a bitter jealousy, strife, and ambition in your heart, see, that's where it is. It's in the heart. Do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. What is the scripture saying? If you got strife, you need to come to terms with it and be honest that it's there. And if you operate in strife, you're gonna bend and twist the truth to stir up conflict. We see it all the time. We see it in our relationships. We see it in our government. We see it on the streets protesting. People who lie and twist the truth and come up with alternative truths and they shout the truth loud enough until people believe the lie and the lie becomes the truth. What is that? Come on. You see it all around us. It's exploding in our world. A spirit of strife that has gripped the generation. They're angry. They're upset. They're broken up inside. And they take an issue, any issue, it doesn't matter. They twist it and inflame it and they cause drama. Wow. People who deal with strife don't want to solve issues. They only want to inflame them. Well, we'll just chat with them. We'll just talk with them. We'll just be patient with them. We'll just say the truth. And listen, they have no interest in the truth, and they don't want to solve the issue. They want to blow the issue up. 
And we've seen issues blown up in our nation to the point where cities have been destroyed. Let's wake up. Let's wake up, church, and realize what's going on is a spiritual thing in our nation. It's not about economics. It's not about inequity and all these stupid words we make up. It's about sin and lostness and anger and a broken generation that is grasping for anything to ease the pain. People who deal in strife are energized by the chaos they create. Did you ever try and reason with a person who likes to stir the pot? It's impossible. You try and reason with them. You try and tell them, you try, this person's been through that. Why don't you give them a break? You know, why no, they thrive on the chaos they create. It's part of a person you know, who's in this mode, who's driven by the Spirit. James, uh, James 3.16 says, for where jealousy and strife and selfish ambition exist, look, those usually exist together. Jealousy, strife, and selfish ambition exist. There is disorder and every evil thing. The person who operates in strife will stir up conflict to the point that it becomes chaos. And if you've ever been around a person like that, raise your hand. And what do you want to do? Every, almost every hand. You want to get as far away from them as possible. Amen. Oh, here they come by the water cooler. Here they come. Oh, they cornered me in the parking lot. Oh, here they come. You know, now I got to listen to it. While we can identify the spirit in others, we have to make very sure that it doesn't get on us, that we don't get in the flow of it, and that as Christians, we never operate in a spirit of strife. Look, in every church, there are people who are snared by this, and they're constantly murmuring. They're constantly starting trouble. They're constantly making division in the church. They've always got criticism for the leadership. Hello? And I know, you, well, you say, Pastor, how can you tell who they are? Well, they part the crowd. Everywhere they go, the crowd disperses. Nobody wants to hear it. The King James Version uses a different word for strife. It uses the word variance. So the reason I use the New American Standard Bible is because the word choice phraseology is more consistent with how we speak today. Uh, you know, all of us have heard the word strife, but how many have thrown the old word variance around lately? One person's raising their hand. Variance. So the King James defines strife as variance, and they translate that from the Greek, and here's what it means. Contention and quarreling stirred up by scandalous and reproachful speech. So they, you know, we understand the contentiousness and the quarreling and the stirring up trouble, but variance adds the element of scandalous and reproachful speech. And that's what I want to zero in on today. Variance exposes another layer of the person who brokers in strife. They use their speech to spark little fires of division everywhere they go. What's the method of spreading strife? It's the mouth. And people will use their mouth. And you've seen people like this wherever they go. They just put in a little, you know, and sometimes they'll do it with a smile. And sometimes they'll say, you know, passive aggressively, I'm just kidding. But they're sowing the, the seeds of dissension and division. You know, when people say, they say something really mean to you and they go, I'm just kidding. And, and you know, they're not kidding. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So they're saying what they really wanted to say to you. But they're just softening it up because they don't want you to knock their chiclets out. First service didn't know what chiclets were. but You know, it's like they, they said something that, you know, they should get thumped for, but they're like, I'm just kidding. 
strife. It's a dissentious spirit. It's the person who uses their words to sow seeds of division and start little sparks of fire to bring conflict. Rotten words from rotten hearts meant to provoke others and sow contention where there was none. This is the thing that breaks the father's heart about this is that these people who are driven by a spirit of strife, a work of the flesh, a sign of emotions out of control, they bring division where there was none. Proverbs 6, 19, God calls this behavior an abomination to him. It's the seventh thing on the list of the six things the Lord's hate. He says, a false witness who speaks lies, we get it, God hates lying, but it says, and one who spreads strife among brothers. God said it's an abomination to me. Why? Because you're bringing conflict where there was none. You're bringing chaos where there didn't need to be anyone. You're doing it because you're hurt and you want to hurt other people. It's a spirit that is totally flesh and it doesn't belong in God's people. It doesn't belong in our homes. It doesn't belong in our church. The third byproduct of emotions out of control are jealousy and emulations. Now, the King James is throwing that emulation around, and I would venture to say no one's used that in a sentence in a while. But jealousy we get. Everybody knows what jealousy is, right? There again, there are some details and nuances within the definition of emulations that are going to give us a clear picture of how this works. But let's talk about jealousy today. What is, what is a good working definition of jealousy? This is the passion or angst that overtakes a person when they see another person being blessed, honored, favor, or enjoying success. Here's what it is. You know, things are not going good for you. It's been uphill all the way. You've had dark clouds over your whole life, and someone over there is just having everything go their way and everything handed easy to them, and you look at them and you're like, are you kidding me? Now, a lot of us might not want to admit this in church, but all of us have been there. In fact, I'm going to look for some congregation participation today. When I lift up this sign, I want you to do what it says. All right, one more time. First service, beat your butt so you can do a little better, okay? You ready? That was it right there. So here we go. Someone gets promoted to your dream job, and you got passed over for the fifth time, and, and, and you're looking at them, and you're thinking... Yep. You do the bulk of the work on the job for the project, and the boss comes and he mistakenly gives the credit to someone else and gives them a bonus. Your unsaved neighbor gets a new car, a new boat, and is coming home from their third vacation that year, and your beater just threw the transmission in the driveway. Here's some for the single people today. The person you've had a crush on forever ignores you and systematically dates each one of your friends. Here's another one for the single people. The person who mistreated you in a relationship gets married and you're still single. Yep. Here's one, and I close with this, for the hunters. Your neighbor goes in the woods for the first time and shoots the buck that you've been hunting for a month straight. That one hurts. But let's be honest, it's hard to be excited for other people sometimes. You know, and it's just like, why? Because you feel like that one person on the fishing boat, everybody's catching fish, and you're like... <laughs> Poles bent, screaming, hooting, hollering, taking pictures. 
If you've ever been there, you're like, man, what's wrong with me? God, what did I do? I should probably just call my wife and apologize. There must be something. But when you feel like you're the odd one out or, and everyone else is enjoying and everything's going everybody's way and, and, and it's not happening for you, it's really human, it's really natural for us to feel jealous. Now, I find it really telling that the word lousy is in the word jealousy. These are the things that I come up with during the week. I'm looking at that word, and I'm like, lousy. Yeah, you do feel lousy when you're jealous, don't you? Because you know it's petty, you know it's wrong, and you actually feel ashamed that you feel that way. Most of us are smart enough not to say it out loud, but just to feel it feels lousy because that's the way jealousy makes us feel when we're angry at someone for something. They did nothing wrong to us. All they did is be blessed in front of us. And we're looking at them Jealousy will make you feel lousy, and there's only one way to over, there's only one pattern that I know of to overcome the petty negative effects of jealousy, and that's to accept these four truths. Are you ready? Number one, nobody has it easy all the time. Everybody struggles with something. We look at other people and think, man, everything's going their way. They got no problems. You know, they got life by the tail, and that's an illusion, that's an illusion that people actually doctor up on social media. They show you all the happy moments and everything, and the, everything's a trophy, and oh, look at me, I'm eating the lobster. Yeah, they don't show you when, you know, all the things that go wrong and the bills and the sickness, and, you know, it's just kind of a snapshot of the best of the best. And we think, well, that's, that's their whole life, and I'm, you know, I'm struggling with everything. The reality is, is nobody has it easy. And everybody struggles with something. So there's really no reason to be jealous of others. All of us have a cross to bear. Number two, the second truth that will set us free from jealousy is this. God's supply of favor and blessing is unlimited. Now here's the point of that. Because God's supply of blessing and favor is unlimited, we don't have to fight over it. See, in the world, they think, well, you know, he, he got this, or they took the lion's share, or they got mine, or they took my blessing. In the kingdom of God, God has enough blessing for all of us. God has enough. Amen? It's not like in heaven, well, I wanted to bless Rick, and he goes to the storehouse. Oh, we gave all the blessings away. Sorry, Rick. No, that's not the way it works. God's not sure to supply, amen. He's got enough to fill you and thrill you and bless you and put a smile on your face, amen. Yeah, we all go through stuff, and life's not all sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes we all suffer, but we don't have to fight over the blessing. Oh, did you see that? He took all my blessing. How can somebody take your blessing? Blessing comes from the Lord. Promotion comes from the Lord. Favor comes from the Lord. Amen. And the blessing of God and the favor of God is not in short supply. So we don't have to fight over it. I don't have to be mad if you got it because you didn't take it all. There's still some for me. And it's, it's, it's connected to my faith and my obedience. Amen. Number three, the third way to overcome jealousy is this. Being happy for others is a healthy, liberating sign of spiritual maturity. Learn to be happy for others when they succeed. Learn to be happy when others are blessed. When you see it go their way, even if it didn't go your way, and you see how happy it made them, be happy for them. 
that shows that we've overcome jealousy, that we're not spiritual babies, that we, we can look at someone doing well or getting compliments. You ever have someone, you know, you're doing something and, and someone else gets the compliment and you're like. <laughs> Some of you are looking like you never got a compliment. I apologize for bringing that up. <laughs> and you're like, what was that? Be happy for them. I see people get breakthroughs. I see people have success. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm human. Sometimes I get jealous of certain things and, th you know, especially when I was younger, why not me now? As I'm older, I don't care anymore. But, you know, you're just like, you know, look how happy it makes them. Wow, that's great. God bless you. Happy for you. And to be sincere about that. That's spiritual maturity. Number four, the fourth truth that we need to accept to overcome jealousy is this. God is just. And you would think, well, how does, how does that mean I should, you know, how does that help me overcome jealousy? Here's why. Because God is just, a very simple statement, if we don't like what we're reaping, we should sow something different. Come on. Well, this person's getting blessed, and this person's having breakthrough, and this person's getting their prayers answered. You know, and sometimes we need to look at us and say, why not me? Well, maybe it's just not my time yet. Maybe it's not my season yet. Or maybe I'm sowing the wrong thing. Maybe I'm disobedient. Maybe I'm nursing sins that I should repent of. Maybe I'm just being stubborn with God, and I put a lid on my own life. I learned a long time ago, if I don't like the harvest I'm reaping, I better sow some different seeds. If I'm selfish, if I'm petty, if I'm jealous, if, if, you know, if I look down on others, well, then, then that's the harvest I'm going to get. Sometimes we've done nothing wrong. But the thing is, we have to be humble enough to at least take a look and say, hey, Lord, is it me? We're like, God, you're not fair. And God's like, I want to bless you so much, son, but you've got to repent. You've got to stop this. You've you got to stop making those choices that you know are not pleasing to me. By accepting these four truths, we can disarm jealousy. We can overcome jealousy. Jealousy and emulations, emotions out of control. God wants us to be free of it. It's an ugly thing to be jealous. Let's learn to allow the Holy Spirit to root it out of us. Number four, the final byproduct of emotions out of control is this, outbursts of anger and wrath. Speaking to all the road ragers here today, let's just come to the altar right now. No. But we're talking about emotions that are out of control. And, and nowhere maybe in our society do we, you know, see it more than on, you know, the streets and the highways. And, you know, we see people having these incredible, you know, explosive outbursts of anger uh, to the point where it's like, you know, it's so ugly. And where does it come from? This deed of the flesh outburst of anger is expressed in violent emotions that start off in the mind that ferment in the heart and eventually manifest and explode in the natural realm. You know, a lot of times a person who explodes in anger over something that seems trivial is really just, you know, they've pushed it down for so long and, and then it finally popped and you were there to witness it. 
And this is about, you know, not handling emotions well. As we look at this, it's violent, it's explosive, uh, it's manifest in a way that when it comes out, it scares everyone around them. Outbursts of anger have a purpose. They're not just anomalies. No, the purpose of an outburst of anger is to intimidate, embarrass, or damage others for the purpose of setting them straight or getting even with them. Angry people say things like this, and you've heard it. I'll get them back for what they did to me if it's the last thing I do. I've done counseling for a long time. I've heard people sitting across from me at my desk say things like that. And Ricky, my heart breaks because I know that's just destroying them on the inside. Their emotions uh, are consuming them. But I'll get them back, and their faces contort, and they almost always point for what they did to me. That's a recipe for explosive anger. Those are mishandled emotions. People who are angry say things like that. I'll never let anyone do that to me again. Mm. Maybe we've heard that. Maybe we've said that. People who are angry and are about to explode say things like this. I want them to feel what they made me feel when they did that to me. Wow. The expression of wrath is usually rooted in a desire to get revenge. Yet the Bible makes it crystal clear that you and I as Christians should not seek revenge. Romans 12, 19 says it this way, and it's crystal clear. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You see, when you and I want to get even and we stuff those emotions down, they are going to well up and explode at some point and maybe even manifest in the physical realm to where we do something that we could never take back. There's people sitting in prison cells this morning right now because they didn't deal with their emotions and they let anger build up to the point where they exploded and they killed somebody. And now their lives are ruined. Many lives are ruined. Revenge is not something we should seek. It says never take our own revenge. Why? Because leave room for the wrath of God. See, God is just and God will repay and God will do it in a way that is just. You know, many times when we take our own revenge, we go overboard and we wind up doing worse than the sin that what the person did to us. It's kind of like what Jesus said. You know, you got, the, you know, you got the speck in your brother's eye and you got a log in your own. And here you are, you, you're, you're, you're judging them over the speck and now you've got a log. There's an old expression that says uh, that never get in the mud and fight with a pig because you'll end up dirtier than the pig and the pig will have had fun. Pigs like mud. Pigs like filth. We don't. But oh, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to get right in there. And I'm going to tell them. I'll give them a piece of my mind. And by the time we're done, we're worse shaped than, you know, we're, we've sinned worse than what they did. And they had fun. And now we're broken up. We've got to deal with our emotions. We've got to deal with our anger. We've got to allow the Lord to diffuse our anger. The Bible says to be angry and sin not. We need to learn what that means. Sometimes people explode in anger and they have these outbursts, as the scripture says, and when they explode, the person who they're exploding on has nothing to do with the issue. 
What's road rage all about? That person that explodes on the highway because you like you just maybe cut them off or you didn't merge good or you did something right but it was a little thing and it, it's disproportionate to the explosion that's a person who's out of control with their emotions and they've stuffed anger down for so long they've taken abuse they've been slighted other people have mistreated them and boom it explodes we've got to let the holy spirit diffuse us be angry and sin not let the Holy Spirit gain control of your emotions. And when you're angry, realize it's a legitimate human emotion, but we're not to harbor it. We're to express it and let it go. If we stuff it down and stuff it down and stuff it down, it will build up and it will result in an outburst of anger. It will result in wrath. And wrath is not to be expressed by us. God is the only one justified in expressing wrath. So refuse to mishandle your emotions. Refuse to harbor anger. Refuse to give yourself over to the deeds of the flesh. God doesn't want his people walking around in hate to be hostile towards others. We're to be lovers of men's souls. We're not to be those who broker in strife. We shouldn't stir up the pot and create chaos. In every church, there's people who operate in strife. God, purge us from them, I pray in Jesus' name. Jealousy is not something that we should grab a hold of, but we should be happy for others and embrace spiritual maturity and realize that there's enough blessing for each of us in God's kingdom. And finally, explosive anger, it comes from mishandled emotions, and we've got to let it go. Today, before we conclude, let's bow our heads and let's allow the Holy Spirit to just put his finger on any area of our life where we're out of order and our emotions are out of order and we're feeling angry or hateful, where we're operating in strife, we're hurting, we're, we're hurting others. Lord God, we're, we're, we just, we're jealous because other people are blessed and we feel like we're struggling or we're just exploding on people all the time because we haven't dealt with the things that have hurt us. Let's just take a moment in his presence. Father, we know we shouldn't control others. We should do our best to control ourselves. But we ask for the Holy Spirit to get control of us so that our emotions can fall in line. God, where there's hostility, strife, jealousy, or outbursts of anger, we repent of those things and we want them removed from our lives because they're not of you, they're of the flesh. Replace them with the fruits of the Spirit in us, I pray in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. God willing, if we continue, amen. God willing, as we continue in this series, we're going to look at out-of-control pride and out-of-control appetites. I encourage you to read the next verses here in Galatians 5 and just get them in your spirit so that when we unpack them together, they'll have more of an impact.